Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. And welcome to the following on podcast from TalkSport. I'm John Norman and alongside Jared Kimber looking back at all the action from day one of the third test match between England and Pakistan. Thanks for listening to the following on podcast. Well, by now you'll know Zach Crawley has a test century to his name. Unbeaten at stumps, 171 not out alongside Joss Butler putting on 205 for the fifth wicket. All of this after Jofra Archer was recalled to the England team at the expense of Sam Curran. England losing Rory Burns early for just six. Dominic Sibley going for 22. But it was when Root and Pope went in quick succession in the afternoon session that England fans were starting to sweat. No fear. Upstepped Zach Crawley to register test test century number one and Joss Butler 87 not out at stumps as well. A thoroughly entertaining and enjoyable day. So let's get on with it. Story of the day. Well, Jared, there's no doubt in my mind whatsoever... Regard to Zach Crawley, he became a test centurion today. Uh, it's not every day that happens. And there were a couple of flighty moments early on in the in the innings, but seriously impressive. And just a question of how far he can go on, really, not just in the short term, but in the long term. Mm. I, I mean, there was a there was a certain point where I looked up Matt Renshaw's record to see what Matt Renshaw's highest score was. And he made 189. And for those of you who don't know, Matt Renshaw no longer plays for Australia. And he was picked from nowhere without many um, runs behind him based on how he looked very similar to Crawley. Um, again, a player who had test temperament. And, and I, was, I was thinking about Renshaw the whole way when I was watching Crawley. We know he hasn't made runs at first class level, which is going to be a problem sort of long term. We know that uh, teams haven't worked him out yet, uh, I, although I think Pakistan's definitely should have bounced him a lot more. But you can't watch any things like that for someone that age and not be excited. He, I love the fact that he's always looking to score. Uh, he, he seems a very smart batsman to me. 
there's a lot to like about the way that he goes about it. And, and it is exciting. Now, I hope that he goes on to be the, the kind of player that he has hinted at today for you know the next 10 or 12 years, because I think he's the sort of player I'd like to watch for that time. Um, but we have no idea. England have thrown him in at number three. And, you know, there's a lot of good batsmen in the world who've been eased down the order. And he hasn't, you know, that hasn't happened to him. Um, and he stood up and against a really good attack. Sure, Pakistan didn't play anywhere near as good as they should have today. But, he, you know, he still had those bowlers with those records and those deliveries coming at him. And I thought he did very well. You're right. At times he was flighty and, um, you know, he's probably had a little bit of luck throughout the middle of his innings. But once he got on top of Pakistan, sort of showed that he has this ability to constantly score and not to be pinned down. I just think he's, you know, he's a really exciting player. And even if this is the only great innings we ever see of him, he's made this great innings. You have to give him that. Yeah, I agree. It's really strange, okay? But I was in Hamilton and I watched his first ever innings for England. I think it lasted five balls. He scored one. And in the following on podcast, after that day's play, I said there's something about him that I like. And the reason I, what I liked about him was that he, he, he drove the ball. He, he hit the ball so cleanly. Mm. He came in, he hit one straight down uh, the ground to mid-off. Didn't get a run from it. Um, and I thought, oof. That was a good. That was a good mm. shot for none. A little bit of um, Marcus Triscothic, I thought at the time, and then anyway, he got out. And then, of course, uh, now we find ourselves in a position where, you know, the guy does sport score quickly. And I remember there was something that Matt Pryor once said to us when we were in South Africa, and he said he backed himself to face a hundred balls, and so essentially he tried to score as many runs as he could in that hundred balls. And I kind of get the same impression from Zach Crawley. It's almost like he's going in there thinking, I know I'm not going to last all day here, so I'm going to try and score as many runs as I can while I'm here. And you know what? He's the kind of batsman that Trevor Bayliss, a former coach, would have wanted (laughs) in his top three. Because you're right, he just gets on with it. And when you have a player like that in your top three, and I don't need to tell an Aussie this, it takes the pressure, or he puts the pressure back on the opposition, and even if he doesn't score 170 every innings, if he's scoring a 40 or a 50 in quite good time, suddenly that scoreboard's 80, 90 for one, and the field's starting to be pushed out, the new ball's nearly gone, the pressure's you know going the way of the England team. There's a lot to like about him. Uh, and of course, let's not forget, he has come into this side for Ben Stokes. So uh, credit where credit's due. I thought his innings... Um, another strength to it, I thought, was that there was a really keen duel just before lunch. You know, he was going at a runner ball. He was 40-odd from 42-43. And then he went about 40 deliveries and he only added about four or five runs. He was facing Yasser Shah just before the break. thought it was a bit weird that Yasser Shah didn't come out for, and bowl straight up after the break, but um, they did take a wicket, so, you know, they were right. Um, and uh, I think it was Nassim Shah, could have been Shaheen Afridi, they were giving him nothing on his pads and he was approaching his 50 and he didn't panic. There was a couple of plays and misses, could have got an edge, a bit like he did in his first ever innings, but he, he got through it and it just showed that he didn't really panic. He could see what was happening. He still went for his shot and he got the 50 with the final ball before uh, lunch. There's a lot to like about him. I like watching him bat. I like watching Ollie Pope bat, but we could talk about him in a minute. I used to like watching Joe Root bat. I like watching Ben Stokes bat. And today, 
I quite liked, quite liked watching Joss Butler bat as well, you know. Um, his batting, actually, you, the thing with cricket, Jared, you know, you could pretty much use statistics to back up any argument you want. Um, I remember Ian Bell, you know, people used to point to the fact that he has had like 450s in 10 innings, but then he was averaging about 25 in the same time. Which which one do you take? Same with Alistair Cook. Remember the Ashes in seventeen eighteen. I think he averaged 40. He had one score over 40 in the entire series because he scored a massive one at, at Melbourne. Um, but Butler, from a batting perspective, has actually done pretty well. He'll, he'll probably go past 100 tomorrow as well. I mean, his last two innings have been the best I've seen him play in Test cricket. Um, you know, I go back to the original decision to bring him in, I still think is a cacophony of mistakes and errors and what it did to the England team. And uh, it was a huge problem. But that's not Josh Butler's fault. And he's also had to bat kind of everywhere in all these different silly roles. And you know, like he was batting up five one at one point. If, if you've never been consistent batsman in first-class cricket in your life, to think that you're going to suddenly be successful batting at number five in a, te- in a test team in England when you don't have a strong top order. So many times he seems to be set up to fail. I mean, you do hear people say, oh, he's averaging 32. That's not that bad. But it's like when you're replacing someone who was averaging more than that in the side, which is essentially what he's doing with Bairstow, it feels like he's always playing makeup. But if you take all that nonsense aside, because that has nothing to do with Josh Butler, he is a professional cricketer trying to do the best that he can, uh, you know, for his team. It looks like he is making slight improvements in his game in a way that the first time when he was in the test team, he didn't look like he was doing. Now, this might all come completely undone when he plays in India and perhaps when he goes to Australia. These things might completely change. In Australia, the slips are going to be an even a, a bigger deal for him because of the extra bounce outside off stump. I don't think Pakistan have at any stage targeted him back of a length outside off stump where he is not good. And I don't know why they haven't bowled that to him. But he it just looks a little bit better every, you know, the last couple of innings. I think he held on. Uh, for, to his place he could have easily been dropped um, no other batsman would get this kind of long lead and you give a, a, a batsman like Josh Butler that kind of long lead because you hope that eventually things will come right now we have no idea if that is the case but he's certainly at least I think in the short term proved to himself that he deserves to be there and I'm not sure he was coming out to bat feeling that way a couple of weeks ago moment of the day We've talked about Zach Crawley's big moment of the day, going to 100 and 150. Um, could go to 200. That could be our moment of the day on day two. Ollie Pope's dismissal was a big moment of the day for me. You talked about Joss Butler learning from his mistakes. And to see Pope get out in very similar fashion, albeit against a very good bowler, um, suddenly I'm thinking, hang on, is this guy not quite as good as we thought he was? Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting one. I sort of noticed that on Sky as well. The sort of the conversation around him um, changed a little bit. Here's the thing. It doesn't matter if it's Pope or Crawley. We don't really know what the weaknesses are of these players because they haven't played enough at the top level to be sorted out yet. Uh, you know, go back to, I mentioned Matt Renshaw before. You know, uh, we see players sort of quite often come in from nowhere, do very well, and, and then their averages sort of, tank a bit afterwards and it's because international teams start to you know understand what they can and can't do um and I think that with Pope 
we're not even close to really working out what he can and can't do at, at the moment. We've seen so little of him. And, and a lot of it has been incredible. And I think we know his strengths, but perhaps we don't know his weaknesses yet. He's not going to face that much leg spin. You know, it, it's quite interesting, you know, um, uh, looking at that and, and I'm talking about it as a weakness. How many top-level test leg spinners are there in the world? I, I'm going Yassir Shah. I, I saw... Um, I saw a, a, a young cricket writer at the start of the series talk about how Yassir Shah was massively overrated because uh, he, he doesn't land the ball in the same spot all the time. And all I could think of is this guy hasn't watched any leg spin other than Anil Kumble and, and Shane Warne, if that's what he thinks. Leg spinners don't land the ball in the same spot over and over and over again. Yassir Shah is incredibly accurate for a leg spinner. Um, and I think, we, you know, what he isn't is Shane Warne or Anil Kumble. He, he's a different kind of leg spinner to both of them. And um, I don't see that as being a huge problem. If, if, that's, if it turns out that uh, Ollie Pope struggles against leg spin, um, top quality leg spin in test cricket, he's going to have a pretty good career because he ain't going to come up against many of them. He might, he might want to skip the Afghanistan um, series. Um, and, uh, you know, there'll be a couple of decent guys that he'll come up against. But realistically, I'm not even sure that's that big a deal. I, I can understand why he's gone. It, some of this is so nonsensical, though. If you're, if you're an opening batsman and you nick off to a seamer uh, twice uh, in a test series, very rarely do we go, oh, he's got a weakness against the ball just outside of stump. And yet a middle-order batsman going out to a spinner in a similar way twice, we're like, could have a problem here. He's a middle-order player playing a good spinner. Of course he might go out to him the same way twice. Shot of the day. That's probably just Butler's straight drive, isn't it? came early on in his innings he ended up I think Crickford's put up that he had a you know 94 control rate which is incredible but I did think early on he again he didn't look like he was in complete control a bit like what you said with with Crawley um but that straight drive it, it looked like the kind of shot that he wasn't playing beforehand he wasn't playing in South Africa and he wasn't playing against the West Indies to a certain extent um so the ability to play that shot, I thought, uh, said something about the, the mindset that he currently has. Ball of the day. Certain batsmen seem to be getting some pretty good balls in this series. Uh, Ollie Pope, a couple of them um, early on in the series against uh, Pakistan. Joe Root as well. And today, the delivery from, from Nassim Shah was uh, a fantastic bit of bowling. Yeah, and let's be honest, Pakistan did not bowl well today. They wasted the new ball. Um, they had long spells where I couldn't quite work out what their plan was. I still don't think they're bowling to Josh, they're bowling to Josh Butler like they haven't actually done proper analysis to him. Um, and I don't think they bounced Zach Crawley enough. I like that they hung the ball outside off stump to him a little while, um, but I don't think they bounced him nearly enough. And then they got the new ball, and I mean, what what in fresh hell was that? That was madness what they did with that new ball. I would say they've on what looks like a wicket that is really going to help uh, the seamers at times, not massively, but a little bit, they completely wasted the new ball. And before that Nassim Shah delivery, Shane Warne was going on and on about how the ball had gone soft and it wasn't doing anything. And then suddenly Nassim Shah gets one to jag away. And a couple of minutes later, actually way later, in the 60th over, Mohamed Abbas was still swinging the ball. And all I could think of was, if you can do that ball that Nassim Shah did when the ball is supposedly soft and you're still swinging the ball when it's 60, almost 70 overs old, you have completely wasted the day. Lol of the day. Were there many lols? There was... I'll say it again. Were there many lols? There was one when 
it started raining after all of the talk about bad light and the starting early and all of that stuff. And then we were just about to get some cricket and then it rained. It was almost like, you know, God was just saying, I'm here. I'm in control. I'm just going to I'm I'm going to be mentioned in today's following on podcast as lol of the day. Here's a five minute rain shower. It's not going to delay the start of play, but it's going to get you all moaning and tutting. Uh, there was a couple of things that I liked. One is the fact that Joe Root believes he can cut Yassir Shah. Now, I'm not a test player. I, I don't like having a go at players for individual shots at a certain point because that is a shot that he plays very well against spin and he clearly will bring him a lot of runs. And I've seen him cut uh, Yassir Shah a lot with that. But he suddenly got it in his mind that no matter where the ball is pitched on line and or length, he is going to cut this ball. I think Sky showed a replay of of a bunch of balls he tried to cut at one stage. One was like almost a half volley. And it was a straight half volley. It only just missed off stump. I I just, every time he plays that shot, why? Um, The other one was when... (laughs) Uh, when they uh, Pakistan asked for a uh, a review, I mean they didn't actually do a DRS, so they didn't waste their review. But when Pakistan looked at the um, asked the umpires to have a look at the court off a ball that had been hit directly into the ground, uh, just I mean it was funny. It wasn't. I'm not sure I laughed out loud, John, but I did go. That's ridiculous, and. That's ridiculous. No, that's that's ridiculous. Why are we doing this? Although they also then reviewed a Joss Butler one where I'm not sure the bat was in the frame. Lol of the day. Let's hear from uh, the century man, Zach Crawley. It was, it was nice to score runs today and I definitely feel more comfortable um, in myself now. I haven't scored 100, but, um, you know, I still plenty of hard work to do and, you know, to, to, to prove myself at this level. What is going to happen tomorrow? Okay, Jared, what's going to happen on day two at the Aegeus Bowl in the third test match between England and Pakistan? Can I just say something, by the way? We had to wait six months for test cricket to come back. And now, from an English perspective, now we're going to have to wait another five months until we might get some more cricket. Test cricket is just crazy like that, isn't it? I know COVID's involved, but anyway, um, what's going to happen on day two? I think almost every time we've done this at the end of day one, I've said you can see how Pakistan or West Indies or England will be able to still fight back. They're still sort of not that far away from the game. Does not feel like that at all today. Partly because Crawley scored so quickly. Um, I actually didn't look at Butler's strike rate, although I know he obviously they got going in the evening session. But certainly Crawley batted a lot quicker. And I think that you know they've got a big score. But also, Pakistan don't look like they have... They have the ability to bounce back tomorrow. Now, you have a good sleep and you come back, the ball's still new. Maybe the clouds are out and they feel it a little bit differently. But I can't see how this is anything other than a declaration unless England go out of their way to collapse. Um, you know, perhaps it could be, a, you know, a, a few, I mean, Shaheen Afridi was still bowling some incredible balls when he wasn't bowling miles down leg side and no balls. Um, but realistically... You would have to say that England would have to play a big part in this collapsing. So I see them declaring whenever they want to, really. Yeah, I agree. Well, I don't quite agree. I think they'll probably be bowled out. There's they're one nil up in the series. They don't really need to declare. And Joffre Archer's come back into the side. So you could argue that okay, Wokes scored eighty odd in the fair, yeah. first test match, but um I, I see them scoring five hundred and uh, you know, it's gonna be cloudy, I think, on day two, I think. I think Pakistan's race is done. You know, we, they should have won the first test match. They should actually be 1-0 up here. 
with one to play. But uh, And they probably would have brought back Shadab Khan for that. Anyway, by the by, I think Pakistan are put into bat just before tea and they lose three wickets. And we're looking at a comfortable England victory. But, um, you know, we're, we're very often wrong. I don't think we're going to be wrong on this occasion, though, Jared. I think we're going to be right. And this is the first time we've agreed on this as well. Yeah. So we're definitely going to be right. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? And also, like, I think there's a little bit in the wicket, but I do think you'd have to bowl very well consistently, which, to be fair, Pakistan should be able to do. It'd be very interesting to see if their top order just rolls over, um, the way, you know, as, as you've said, which I could, I could definitely see how that would happen. Um, I tell you what, if you, I think if you get bowled out for under 200 on this wicket, you've... Uh, you, know, you need a very large mirror and a very long look. Jared, we'll, uh, we'll see if they need a mirror this time tomorrow. Um, looking back at day two of the third test match, the final test match of the summer between England and Pakistan. Thanks for listening to the following on podcast on Acast, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We will be back. Until then, thanks for listening. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 